Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Top of the Morning. I am Cameron, your host. Today, I'm welcomed by a special guest, Greg Johnson, a guy who spent 15 years in the sports industry and is here to tell us about it. Greg, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me, Cameron. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing what I can help and, and promote your uh, your site and your podcast and kind of enlighten people what 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 behind the scenes it looks like in professional sports. Yeah. And I thank you for hopping on and being willing to share and enlighten us on the things that you've seen. Uh, 15 years is a long time. I'm sure you've seen a number of things. And oh yeah, a lot of people <laughs> that watch sports, they see game time. They see what happens when the ball's right. kicked off or when there's jump balls. So right. I've, I've always been curious what happens behind the scenes also in the professional sports industry. So I'm sure everybody else will be interested to hear as well. Sure. Yeah. So 15 years. So take me back. Take me back to how you got into the sports industry. What did you do to start to start? So I started out, I mean, it goes kind of way back and I'm going to date myself for those that are old enough to remember what junior high school was. I started out as an athletic trainer in junior high school. Mm -hmm. I wasn't big enough to play sports, so I wanted to get into being around because I loved it. I grew up a Yankee fan. Mickey Mantle was my hero as a kid. Uh, Bill Russell was my hero as a kid uh, and for old people old enough to know that one of them was a baseball player. Bill Russell was the basketball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I started doing that, working with, um, high school teams. Then, then I got a scholarship to, uh, college Worked for Bobby Bowden at Florida state for six years back. And when he first started at, at Florida state, and in fact, a good story about Bobby Bowden was that. He came from West Virginia, and for the two years before that, Florida State didn't win a football game. They were the worst college football team in the nation in 1974 and 1975. 1976, he came. We won five games my freshman year, and the alumni said, Coach, just win five for the rest every year for the rest of our your career, and you'll keep your job here for life. And he did a little bit better than that. If you know about Florida State and how good they were in the 80s and 90s and 2000. So, mm-hmm. and then, um, after I graduated from college and, um, I got, I was lucky enough to get into professional baseball with the Atlanta Braves. I, uh, got a call one, one day, uh, from a scout and he said, uh, he said, Hey, uh, uh, your college coach who was Woody Woodward, who played for the Cincinnati Reds back in the, the day when they had the big red machine. And, um, he said, uh, you might get a call from somebody from the front office. And I'm, you know, went by a couple of weeks. No, no big deal. I forgot about it. I get this call and said, uh, can you hold for Henry Aaron? And I hung up. I thought one of my friends is playing a joke. Yeah. So called back and hung up again. She called back and said, please don't hang up. Wait, please wait, uh, hold for Henry Aaron. I'm going, Oh my God. So Henry, Henry got on the phone and he said, Hey, Greg, I got a uh, report about you that we're looking for athletic trainers at the time. He was the vice president of operations for the minor leagues for the Atlanta Braves when Ted Turner owned the club. So I said, well, Mr. Aaron, thank you for, you know, it's an honor of speaking with you. And he said, uh, he said, well, can you come up to Atlanta and do an interview? And I said, sure. Make a long story short, flew up there, got the job, ended up in the minor leagues where people don't realize how tough that really is. Yeah. You know, you're making a couple of grand a month. Yeah. You're riding on a bus for 12 hours from Orlando, you know, playing the Orlando Twins and the Minnesota Twins double A team to Orlando to uh, to Memphis to play the Montreal Expos at the time it was Montreal. Yeah. And um, so 
it was quite of experience. I got to, I had teammates like then, like Steve Bedrosian, who is the National League Player of the Year in 1982, and Tommy Glavin later on was a teammate, and uh, Brian Snitker, who's the manager right now of the Atlanta Braves, was a teammate of mine then. Uh, was on an all-star team with uh, uh, Don Mattingly, who played for the New York Yankees and pretty popular ball player. So make a long story short, I got to the big leagues in 1981. Um, weren't very good then. All that minor leagues, five, six years of traveling around in the minor leagues made it all worthwhile. I remember the first stop was Philadelphia Veterans Stadium in, in, with the Phillies. And I got there way early, got out, looked up, on the, looked up, and I said, man, it was all worthwhile. Mm-hmm. All that strife and, you know, hot weather and lousy clubhouses made this all worthwhile. 1982, Joe Torre was our manager. Um, Bob Gibson was our pitching coach. And if you know anything about baseball, Bob Gibson is one of the, probably the greatest right-hander that ever played. Yeah. Pitched um, was our, uh, and we won the National League West on the last day of the, the season. Um, played the St. Louis Cardinals in the National League Championship game and games. And there wasn't any, you know, five teams. There was two teams, one from the East and one from the mm-hmm. West. And that was it. And, um, we lost to the Cardinals. They ended up winning the world series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, stayed on with the Braves for another few years and then ended up getting a job of my life was working with, uh, well, I spent one year in professional football in Jacksonville. That was the hardest job I ever had, but I had two teammates who were two Heisman trophy winners, one named Archie Griffin, yeah. who's the only guy to ever win two Heismans ever. Yeah. And uh, Mike Rozier, who played at Nebraska, Brian Sipe was our quarterback, who is the national, the, the NFL uh, player of the year in 1982. And um, we did well, but um, they ended the league after that. And I ended up getting a job with the PGA Tour. Uh, we had a fitness van that traveled around with the PGA Tour and um, treating the all these you know great golfers. Uh, Jack Nicholas was a good friend, Arnold Palmer. Um, Tiger Woods. Um, later on, uh, when I was the medical director of the Tour Championship at East Lake in Atlanta, um, Curtis Strange, number one player in the world for two years in a row, first guy to win a million dollars on the PGA Tour. Now that's about a hundredth on the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and my best friend was a guy named Payne Stewart, who tragically died in a plane crash um, six months after he won the United States Open in 1999. Wow. And um, so, yeah, it was it was a you know, a great life in professional sports. I wrote a book, um, if I don't if you don't mind me telling what it is. Yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. It was it's called From the Dugout to the 19th Hole. It's on Amazon. Um, and it's a it's a story stories about all the people I've met. I met three presidents. I've eaten at the White House. I got to know Clint Eastwood. I got uh, Bob Hope uh, for the older people that have been around a while. They know who he is. Sammy Davis Jr., part of the Rat Pack. Um, all these guys, I, 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 people and celebrities, Michael Jordan, I got to, to meet. And, you know, I tried to write little stories about behind the scenes. What would people be really interested in hearing about these people? And I had just 13 pages of just names, uh, athletes, um, movie stars, singers. Uh, Dolly Parton I got to meet. She was part owner of a... Uh, along with a friend, um, part owner of the Nashville Sound baseball team, uh, which was then the New York Yankees double A team. So, um, you know, it, it's it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a while since I've been out, but 
my daughter, who was born just before I uh, left professional sports, bugged me to write the story about my life because she didn't know anything about it. And um, I think there's a lot of morals to my my in my book about you know what 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 did it do for me? I mean, it kept me out of drugs in the '70s. You know, everybody in the '70s were hippies and you know used drugs and you know long hair and and all that stuff. And sports kept me straight. It kept me out of trouble. Um, and I had coaches threaten me if you you know if I catch you with drugs, if I catch you doing anything you're not supposed to. You know, you're going to lose your scholarship. Yeah. You're going to lose your job, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I tried to keep clean. And I think sports, I can say, uh, helped me do that. So I, any kid that's looking for an opportunity, maybe he's not a great athlete and can't really play any sports, but loves to be around it. Sports medicine's a great place to be because there's always going to be athletes and there's always going to be hurt athletes. Yeah. So you did, it sounds like you did a lot of sports. Which sport was your favorite? To oh, the golf, the PGA Tour. Really? Because I, I played high school call, in, in, in high school. Uh, I loved golf. I was pretty good at it. Uh, not good enough to play beyond high school. But um, so, you know, when you get a chance to, to meet your heroes, you know, Henry Aaron, Mickey Mantle, I got to go to dinner with him. Um, you know, Henry Aaron, I knew very well for five years. He was one of my you know, known him for, knew him till the day he died, almost 30 something years, but the golf tour was the best, um, the best mannered people, the, the, the athletes were appreciative. They were, um, they weren't really athletes yet. I mean, Tiger Woods is the first guy to really become that athletic golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, back in my day, they were afraid it was, you know, lifting weights and exercising was going to hurt your golf swing. And that's really not true we were really the founders of exercise, um, with this fitness fan that traveled around with, um, um, you know, one of the doctors that, that, um, uh, Tommy John procedure that invented that a guy named Frank Job at the Curl and Job clinic in LA were our medical directors. And that was the, really the start of trying to get players to understand that they could lift weights, they could exercise, they could be in great shape and not affect their golf game. Same thing in baseball. I was part of the first Nautilus program, which is a weight lifting system back in the seventies with the Braves. They never lifted weights, mm-hmm. never did anything. Bo Jackson never lifted a weight in his life. Yeah. All he did was push ups and sit ups. And same with he did 13 same with Herschel Walker too, huh? Yeah. Well, Herschel, not, yeah, I, but, uh, not Bo. Herschel was the guy Herschel, that did okay, that. Yeah. And, um, and yet I saw him running a track meet, with Bo Jackson, a guy named Harvey Glantz, that was the third fastest human in the world. And he, and those two guys beat the guy that was 5'8", 150 pounds, and they were 6'2", 6'3", 220. To see those guys run on a track meet track was amazing. It was scary yeah. how good they really were. Yeah. And then I got to know uh, Deion Sanders. Uh, he played at Florida State. Prime. One yeah. of the hardest workers you'd yeah. ever want to see. He was the first one there, the last one to leave. Teammates loved him. Coaches loved him, but he 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 was very confident in his skill set, and he should be. Great baseball player, played for the Yankees, played for the Braves. Uh, great in track. He averaged twenty seven points a game in high school basketball. You know, he ran a he ran a four one five forty, and uh, said, "I can run faster than that if you want me to." Yeah, I mean. The guy was a world class athlete. He and Bo Jackson. Yeah. So, you know, got got a, had an opportunity for a lot of, meet a lot of great people in sports, and it's kept me 
you know, uh, kept me straight. Let's just say that. And, um, and I'll be forever appreciative of my life in sports. And I think, like I said, I'd encourage anybody that, um, wants a life, um, in, in that business that sports medicine is the way to go. Yeah. And you mentioned you went to school at Florida state. Are you from Florida or are you from somewhere else? No, I was born in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, okay. It was uh, about as cold country as you get, but I was raised in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And um, I went to high school there and I really didn't want to go to Florida State. I had gone to uh, the University of Tampa, but they dropped the football program the year the Buccaneers came to be oh, okay. because they didn't think they could compete for the dollars in the fall for a season for tickets. Yeah. And it was a small private school of about 2,000 people. But um, so I ended up, uh, a guy recommended that I call the uh, head trainer at Florida State. And I said, man, I don't want to go there. They're terrible. They're terrible. Yeah. Little did I know that Bobby Bowden was going to show up and change Hitler. everybody's life yeah. in Tallahassee. Yeah. You know, so yeah, he's the winningest, you know, you take away, take the ones that they took away from him because of some technicality. He was the winningest college football coach in history. Yeah, yeah, he's a legend. And um, so he's a he's a legend. And and I've said that the three best human beings I've ever known in my life, they just happened to be athletes. Was one of them was him. One of them was a guy named Dale Murphy who played for the Braves and National League MVP three times. And Archie Griffin. Two those three people are the best human beings. You know, great people, humble, um, treated people great. Uh, were, were respectful of other people, and yet some of the hardest workers you'd ever want to meet. And that's sometimes hard to find in sports. A lot of athletes think just their God-given skills that they had in the college were, were, you know, where they were stars in high school, they were stars. And then they get to pro level. It's a completely different story. Everybody's a star. Yeah. Everybody's a star. Yeah. You know, so. And I'm a big Ohio State fan. So the fact that you. Well, then spend, I can uh, tell you, Archie, Archie, probably could run for the governorship of the state of Ohio and still win. He's still that popular in the state of Ohio. And he's, he's a vice president of, of uh, uh, student relations or something like that at, at Ohio state. So, you know, uh, uh, just a great human being. And I can't say enough nice things about Archie. Yeah. That's, I mean, I know about him and I keep up with the history of Ohio state football. So the fact that you met him is kind of cool, you know, two time. Yeah. 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 Great guy. And, um, uh, I, I just, I think the world of him. Dale Murphy, the same thing. Um, the guy, I never heard him curse one person in my nine years with the Braves, but he was one of the hardest workers, most respected player that we had. Um, that and Phil Necro who both, you know, is a hall of famer, uh, won over 350 baseball games pitching, uh, just great. And then what can I say about Bobby Bowden? I mean, everybody knows he's as good as, as he's portrayed. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that from behind closed doors, I've seen him. Um, I grew up with his sons, Tommy, who coached at Clemson. Yep. Um, and so I know the family really well and he had a good full long life. Yeah. And you mentioned a guy that you met who I've heard people have mixed reviews about. And that guy is Michael Jordan. How was your personal experience <laughs> with me and Mike? You know, um, he played, a, he plays a lot of golf. He's yeah. a golf addict. Yeah. And what Michael that I saw was the most com competitive along with Tiger Woods, mm -hmm. very similar, both of them, the goats at their career with all due respect to Jack Nicholas, the goats at their career in, in their chosen career. Um, he, he couldn't, 
He couldn't just go out and play a friendly game of golf, Michael. He'd bet. It didn't matter what it was. He had to bet. He he, he had to have that that pressure. He, he once told me a story that Lee Trevino told him. He said, you know, I don't know how many people know much about golf, but uh, going out and, and, and betting $25 with only $10 in your pocket. Yeah. That's confidence. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like him. Yeah. Yeah, and and Michael, uh, Michael was very f- nice. And he was a nice guy, just ultra ultra competitive. And you know, when you're the goat at your career, look at look at Tom uh, Brady. I mean, he's a fanatic about his diet, about his his exercise regime. Uh, Tiger Woods was the same thing. Look at him. I mean, you will, we will never see another Tiger Woods. Yeah. I can promise you that he's that much further that much better than everybody else he played with and everybody knew it and everybody would tell you that. Yeah. Even Jack Nicholas said that Tiger and um, Arnold Palmer should get a check from every player today playing golf because that's how much they made they made the game what it is today. And Jack, many people consider the greatest golfer of all time, he said that. I didn't. That's what he said about Arnold and, and Tiger. But Michael Jordan, great guy. Loved to play golf. I remember when he played baseball with the uh, the Baron. Uh, Detroit Tigers. Oh, the Tigers. Okay. You know, yeah, he hit a buck and some changes. We call it. Yeah. He he his athleticism can only take him so far in a game that he was not that good at. But because he was such a great athlete and a great competitor, I'll tell you a story about what happened with him. He goes on the first road trip in Double A in Birmingham, Alabama, and he. He goes on the road, gets on the bus, and they travel eight hours to wherever it was. I think it was Orlando. And he comes back after an eight-day road trip, and uh, they have a five-day homestand. Then they got to go on the road for four more days. And when they showed up, they had a brand-new coach bus. And he said, Michael Jordan said, we're at least going to travel in class. He went out and spent a quarter of a million dollars and bought a bus for the team. Wow. And he rode on the bus just like everybody else. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. I mean, if yep. you have the money I mean, to do he, it. I didn't get to know him really, really well, but but I saw him on the golf course. I talked to him on the driving range a few times. I've heard a lot of good stories about him. You know, a lot of people say he's pretty frugal and he's not a great tipper, but I never saw it. I thought he was one of the best people I've ever met, but ultra competitive. I mean, but you have to be when you're, at that level. Right. Take Jerry Rice. Look at his workout regime. Yeah. I mean, nobody could keep up with Jerry Rice. Yeah. His workout. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's just when you're the go to those sports, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask because I hear so many things about Michael Jordan. I hear people meet him and he's just the worst person ever. And I hear other people meet him and he's like the best person ever. So, well, I'll tell you what it is like Tiger and like Jack. They have to let you in. These guys have to let you in if they think you're just after something for them. You know, like Tiger said to me, he goes, he goes, you know, I don't really sign autographs for adults because all they do is take it and sell it. And I don't care if anybody makes any money, but I'd rather give an autograph to a kid that's going to influence him for the rest of his life. Yeah, that makes sense. That's pretty that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And I, and I can understand that. I mean, my gosh, I can remember being in an airplane with Hank Aaron and somebody comes over and wakes him up when he was sleeping and asked him for his autograph. Yeah, that's just uncourteous. <laughs> but that's what people do. And, yeah. and, and, you know, people, athletes get a bad rap for being, you know, aloof and, and distant. But they almost have to be. 
because they can't let everybody in. Mm-hmm. It just it 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 just just doesn't work that way. Yeah. But that's what I've seen behind the scenes. They were always great to me because they needed to be because I'm taking care of them. You know, I'm I'm making sure they stay healthy so they can play their games or or you know um, make a lot of money. And I'll never forget my biggest thrill in treating somebody for one week was Jack Nicklaus at the '86 Masters, and he won the '86 Masters and was the oldest golfer to ever win a major at that time. And he comes up to me at the next golf tournament. He said, Greg, I think you helped me win. Hey, how about that? That's, that, that, that's pretty, you. pretty powerful. Kudos to you. You know, and then, you know, but then there's people that made, I've been speechless with, which is hard for anybody in my family to believe. But, you know, like m- meeting your childhood hero, Mickey Mantle, and going to dinner with him and talking to him about, you know, you know, what happened with you. And he didn't take care of himself because he thought he was going to die before 40 because that's what happened to his family members. And they had black lung disease. And uh, so he said, I'm going to go out and have fun. And he did. And then he ended up with liver disease and died at, you know, a pretty early age. Um, But, you know, then there's, I don't know if you remember David Justice who played for the Braves. Mm -hmm. He was a baseball player. And I went to a Hank Aaron surprise 70th birthday party, and he was there. And Ted Turner with um, Jane Fonda, who was married at the time, um, when he was still the owner of the club. And um, I walked up to David, hadn't seen him in 15 years. How you doing, man? He said, great. He said, I want you to meet my wife. Turned around, it's Halle Berry. And I was speechless. Yeah, She was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my yeah. life. She, and she's the nicest person you can want to meet. Yeah. Just a, a gem. But, uh, you know, that's that's some of the things I, I talk about in my book, uh, to meet somebody like that. And I, most of the people that I in, in, interacted with and, and had some connection were really great people. Yeah. I mean, f- for the most part. But, again, they let me in. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so there's – I'm going to pivot a little bit. There's, yep. uh, there's a story that came out, a uh, former New York Giants football player and former Chicago Bears football player, Victor Cruz went on air and said that basically in the in the training room the coaches will if they know that a player is coming up on a bonus or they are coming up on what seems to be a big game or big payday if they have lingering injuries they'll tell the trainer hey he he can't play he can't go just uh, just a way of uh money managing and trying to keep them away from a paycheck have you ever seen anything like that in your experience i've never heard i've never heard that but but you know maybe this is a later gener you know this 2000s generation maybe i never had a coach ever put pressure on me to say you know hey we need this guy you gotta you gotta get him good you gotta get him to go and i said and, and i had one coach that just in and kind of alluded to that and i said coach i'm gonna give you my best medical opinion and and what you decide to do with it is up to you and I never let any coach ever influence me ever to, to get somebody, put somebody back on a field or behind the plate or on the pitching mound or on a golf course that really wasn't ready uh, to play and participate. So I, I don't, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that, but I'm sure with today's dollars, the way they are now, I mean, we're talking huge money. I mean, like when I was on the golf tour, in 1990, Curtis Strange was the first guy to ever win a million dollars. Now somebody's going to make 15 million at the Tour Championship in a couple of weeks for one week. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's just amazing that we had two million dollar ball players when I was at the Braves, Phil Necro and Dale Murphy. Now, how much is Aaron Judge making? Uh, a whole lot. 30, 40, 50 million dollars. Basketball players. I mean, look what Jalen Brown, who I think he deserves it. What is he making now? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like that, yeah. And what is what is what is his teammate going to make when his day comes? Tatum. Jason Tatum. Don't matter. <laughs> if, if you're the second guy on the team, second best player on the team, and you make the kind of money Brown's making, what is what is Tatum going to make? I mean, it's just it, the, the dollars in the game is just changed so much in the last 25 or 30 years. But, you know, it's, it's the way it is in life. Yeah. You know, also, things change. You're also putting more money into the game, too. You got all these subscriptions oh here and there, and then season tickets are going up, and there's so much more oh, money yeah. going into the sports as well, which – Well, you look at look at golf. I can tell you about this, that when Tiger Woods doesn't play, their watching audience goes down by 35%. Makes sense. What do you think that does to the game? That's how much he means to golf. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah. 35% of the viewers don't show up when Tiger Woods wasn't playing when he was got hurt. It's the same thing with you can make the same argument with Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Like when they when yep. they're doing Well, you know, I mean, I go back to my day. My uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird almost saved basketball. Basketball was a dying sport. And then they, in in the in the late 70s, early 80s and then they came along and what did that rivalry do for basketball? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Uh, I got a funny story. I, I was playing golf with uh, um, Danny Ainge at the Bank of Boston Classic at the Pro-Am. And I asked him about Larry Bird. And he said, well, I'll tell you a story. We were down by two points to the Philadelphia 76ers when they were really good. Three three seconds left, timeout. Casey Jones was the manager. Got a chalkboard out, was drawing up a play. He goes, he goes Larry Bird took the chalkboard, broke it over his knee and, and said, screw this. Get me the ball. Threw it in, took a three, made it. He walked over to Sam Sam Jones after the game, and or Casey Jones, and said, "Don't ever do that again." Hey, Larry was that guy. <laughs> That's ultimate. That, that you, there's very few uh, athletes that want to be that guy. You know, back in those days, they said Michael Jordan wanted to be that guy. Reggie Miller wanted to be that guy. Magic wanted to be that guy. But there's a lot of great names and great superstars that don't want to be that guy at the end of the game. And I saw that in every sport that I was in. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like nowadays you have players that are more willing to step up and more willing to say, Hey, let me take the, the final shot or throw yeah. me the ball in the final seconds. Then- yeah. 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 You're probably right. I mean, it, you know, it's certainly a different game. I mean, back in my day, you know, they didn't write bad things about athletes. Uh, you know, they, they, they kept that away from the press. And now, you know, you can't you can't even go on a plane and or, you know, go to a restaurant without somebody scrutinizing everything that you do. Right. And it's got to be tough. It's tougher on these guys today. I really do. They're under a microscope. Yeah. And my day, they weren't. Yeah. And social media is so prevalent that they got eyes yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. no matter what you do it's Everywhere. going to be seen you end up on social media yeah. doing this like tristan thompson for example he's out here cheating on chloe kardashian saying oh nobody's gonna find out they got six cameras around him and they're like oh here's tristan going into some lady's house and you know next thing you know he's caught cheating i mean you, you can't do anything 
uh, as a as a freshman. well i can remember uh, one of the laker guys told me about lamar odom and when he was married to Cl- uh, one of the kardashians yeah and when she found out that he had 10 people on his payroll yeah she goes forget that if if i'm going to if you're going to stay married to me eight of those people need to come off and the only two that stayed on i, I heard was his mother and his sister <laughs> yeah i mean you know i mean that everybody's your friend and i saw this every day in sport everybody's your friend as long as you're somebody oh yeah for sure and when you become nobody again or you're out of the limelight guess what happens you find out who your true friends really are yeah and it's not many it typically nope, typically it's not, not many nope nope um so if you feel comfortable answering this you can if you don't we sure. can move on sure Go as ahead. far as being in a training room i mean i've mm-hmm. i played college football i played semi professional football i played professional rugby i've seen some things in the training room and i've heard about some things in the training room i know uh when i was playing college football at independence community college i ended up hurting my knee at one point and one of the coaches said well no one told you to get hurt and it you know affected my whole season it, it sucked <laughs> um so as far as in the training room goes like what's the most interesting or kind of appalling thing that you've seen maybe somebody else do in the training room um, that maybe affected a player well, or a coach or whatever. Well, I got to tell you, it was golf. I'll, st- I'll take this one. And I, and I don't know how, how, uh, blunt I can be. Um, but I'll try to sugarcoat it the best I can. <laughs> um, so we had this fitness fan that travels around, as I said, on the golf tour, air conditioning, 16 feet wide, 45 feet long. And a guy named Curtis strange, who was the number one player in the world, was in laying on the table, getting treatment. If you remember your, your tables, they had a hole in it, so you put your face yep. in it and lay down. Yep. You're getting a TENS unit on his back and a hot pad. Payne Stewart walked in the tr- fitness truck and said, hey, he goes, man, I got to go take a dump. And I go, we don't have a bathroom in here. And he goes, shoot. shoot. So he goes and changes, was going to go get on the treadmill, I thought. Well, he ends up, Going number two in a trash can, sticking it under the table, and Curtis Strange jumped up. What the hell is this? And he started chasing Payne up the out of the truck, up the fairway toward the clubhouse. And since the day Payne died, Curtis and I, every time I see him, he goes, "Man, I miss Crapper, don't you?" So he he so he he took a dump in a trash can, and he put yeah. the trash can under the table where Strange was getting treatment. Yeah. What in the world? <laughs> yeah. Like, what what compels you to do that? What compels somebody <laughs> to do that? You know, who knows? I mean, I've seen guys that uh, uh, just all kinds of different things. I mean, it's just, it's amazing when when athletes feel safe, they can let their hair hang down. And I'm sure you know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, they don't have to. We didn't allow press in there. We didn't allow anybody there but the players in the in the fitness truck and in the locker room in the training room i don't know what it's like today but we didn't have we didn't we didn't allow it because we didn't feel like that that uh, we wanted those players and you can appreciate this we wanted these players to be able to feel comfortable that there wasn't another place that they could that they had to worry about 
the press getting to him or hounding him or anything like that. Yeah. So I had to move uh, from where I was. But anyway, uh, you know, that's just a simple one. I mean, I've seen a lot of other things that have gone on that um, probably can't even tell you. <laughs> so oh my gosh. And that's what I had to be careful of in my book because, you know, I've, I've, I had one guy knock on my door and said, Hey, you needed a hundred that the, the girl he was with needed uh, some money. If you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing what you see, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any of it back. I, it, it was the greatest life I could possibly imagine. And, um, I, you know, I'm forever grateful for the people that gave me a break, you know, guys like Bobby Cox with the Braves and, and Henry Aaron with the Braves and, you know, um, it, it was an amazing career and I, and I really enjoyed it. And that's why I wanted to write the book. Yeah. When did you write the book? What year was it? Uh, it was published, uh, two years ago, I think two years ago, I've sold a, a fair amount. Um, but I didn't write it for that. I wanted my grandkids and my daughter and, um, I've got a two year old grandson. I wanted him to know what his granddad did for a living. And, um, you know, how many people get to go eat at the White House and meet th three presidents and meet guys like Clint Eastwood or Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, the goats? Um, you know, I mean, not too many. What presidents did you meet? And, uh, um, Richard Nixon. Okay. Um, uh, George Bush, the first, the Bush, the older Bush, uh, George Herbert Walker yep. Bush and um, uh, Gerald Ford. I uh, almost ran over Gerald Ford in a golf cart out in Palm Springs. I was going around a corner and I didn't see him there with a, with a uh, secret service agent. And, um, I was going pretty fast and he was just walking down and I went around a corner and boom, there he was. And I had to slam on the brake and I thought, I, I didn't know whether it's going to get shot or not. They yeah. didn't know whether that secret service agent didn't have an Uzi underneath his jacket. But, uh, needless to say, uh, they, they didn't have smiles on their face. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> running over a president probably comes with a heavy consequence. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I got to meet George Herbert Walker Bush in the white house. I got invited um, to, to have breakfast at the white house um, by one of the guys that was um, playing in the pro-am at a tournament in Washington, DC. And, you know, this was way before nine 11. So it was still pretty hard to get in, but uh, I'll never forget that seeing him, in the white house and he was the vice president at the time for ronald reagan mm -hmm. um and he just said hello and he said what are you guys doing here and he said, told him said well have fun enjoy it yeah yeah are you planning on writing any more books or doing anything along the line you know i, I don't know at this point i might um i'm kind of a a big uh, john f kennedy buff uh my first recollection as a kid was the assassination of john f kennedy and um so I'm reading every book I can get a hold of, and I'd like to kind of give my thoughts about, you know, there's so many conspiracy things going on out there about his death. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that may be something that I do that's completely different from my sports life. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a real buff about all that stuff. Gotcha. And uh, so you're done with physical training. You're done with the sports industry. Yep. 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 Right now I'm working uh, in the medical field still. I'm, that's all I've ever done. I'm working in a company that does personal injuries for people that get hurt in auto accidents, no faults of their own, and they need money to fund their cases. Um, and a lot of us, you know, there's a lot of people out there that uh, 
you know, if they don't go to work, they don't get paid. Yeah. They're not on salary. Yeah. Uh, they're hardworking people, salt of the earth, and they need help. And that's what we try to do. And, and um, I use my medical background to help them decide what kind of injuries they have and where they need to go and who they need to see, whether it be an orthopedist or a neurologist or a neurosurgeon. And then we have uh, some people that uh, fund the money, and, and one of them is, is me that's helping them do that. So I'm still in the medical business and, um, I, I, I still enjoy working. I don't need to, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit at home and just rock my life away on the front porch. Yeah. So, uh, as long as my health keeps the way it is right now, I'm going to keep, keep doing it. And, um, I just enjoy giving back and, and, um, helping younger people, uh, you know, get where they want to be. Yeah. Um, 15 years in any profession is a long time. And mm. typically you last that long because you genuinely love what you do. But also sometimes it could be because you have a really good influence around you that encourages you to keep going. Did you have a great influence or was it just genuine love? Oh, yeah. Well, um, probably the greatest orthopedic surgeon ever known is a guy named Jimmy Andrews. Um, Dr. Andrews is the he invented the Tommy John procedure for the elbow and baseball players reconstructed on the collateral ligament. He's he is the goat in the orthopedic world. Every professional athlete and just about every college athlete this side of the Mississippi and anywhere in the world has come to see Jim Andrews in Birmingham, and now he's in Pensacola. So he was he was a guy that that helped me get to where I I, I wanted to be, and uh, I'll be forever grateful to him. Um, and as I said, he's the goat in the medical field. So yes, he's he's the one. Is he, does he have any relation to the current Dr. Andrews? That I'll- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's him. I met him when I was 19 years old. His first, his first assignment out of med school was at Troy State University. If you remember that school, Troy University. Okay, now it's Troy. Okay. Um, that's in Alabama. Yeah. And um, I went there for one quarter, uh, and that was a football season. And I hate, I didn't like it. It was a dry county, um, too country for me, coming from where I came from, in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And I decided I had to get out, but I got to meet him. And then he become, becomes the Jim Andrews that everybody knows. There's a 30 for 30 on Jimmy Andrews. And I encourage anybody that's interested in sports medicine to watch it. And and, um, and you'll learn a lot about, you know, the professional athlete, athletic world, like I'm telling you right now. Yeah. And he's his name comes up everywhere. Every time someone has ACL injury, MCL injury, or any yeah. type of sprain, strain that needs to get done. He's the best. And yeah. He, very he had a unique quality. He could talk to the president of the United States or a plumber. Yeah. And they'd both be equally impressed. Yeah. Just a good old guy from Louisiana, went to LSU, um, and is still the team doctor for Auburn, Alabama, and LSU, and the Washington Commanders, and still working. 80 years old, 82 years old. Yeah, that's impressive. And uh, it's really interesting that you met all these people and got to build relationships yeah. with all these people. Well, and the guy that the guy, the other goat in this business was uh, uh, Dr. Frank Job out. He was the team doctor for the, the Lakers and the, and the Dodgers and everybody on the West coast. That's where you went or, or you went to see Jim Andrews, either one of those two. And I got a chance to work with both of them. That's nice. That's nice. That's something, that's something that you're going to take with you for forever. Yeah, that's, no that's doubt. I think about it every day. Yeah, uh, it, it's great. I, I, I'll call him up every once in a while and just say, hey, Chief, how you doing? You still operating? And he goes, man, what else am I going to do? Yeah. 
It's like Bobby Bowden said to me, I said, Coach, when are you going to retire? He was 80 years old at the time. I'd go down and, and see games when he was still in his 80s. And he said, Greg, I already played as much golf as I want to play. What else, what else am I going to do? I'm just going to wake up one day, call my secretary, and tell her I ain't coming to work. Yeah. He didn't get to go out on, on the way he wanted to. And uh, I that's my only regret him on my alma mater didn't treat him the way he should have been treated, and that's letting go on his own. The guy gave you 33 years. Yeah. He should be able to dictate how he goes. But that's not the way sports is anymore. NCAA is a big, big business, and they're going to operate how they yep. want. Well, look at right now. Florida State's trying to get out of the ACC. It'll cost them $100 million to get out. Yeah. I mean, they're they're a staple in it. You can't you can't think of ACC and not think of Florida State. Yeah. Well, Clemson wants out too. But, you know, I mean, because they're making, I think it's – $30 million every year from their commitment to the ACC and the TV money. Well, the Big Ten is making, those guys are making an SEC $60, 70000000 $80 million a year. Yeah. And, and that's in, including Vanderbilt's of the world yeah. or the Dukes of the world. They're all making the same. Yeah. The SEC is the closest thing so, you're going to get to the NFL caliber talent. So. Yeah. So you know, it's a uh, it's it's it now it's just a multi billion dollar business. I don't care if it's golf. Look at Live Golf now. How are they competing with the PGA Tour? You look at college football and what's happened there. And really, what I hate is what's happened to the college basketball. They're one and done. There's no tradition left anymore yeah. in ba- college basketball. Yeah. I mean, you know. So everybody, but it's all about that TV money. That's what it's all about. Everybody's chasing the check. Sports are always going to be number one in this in this country yeah. soccer will never make it in my opinion never it probably, well uh, yeah it's a stretch not not comp- you can't compare it to bath you know being, oh, yeah, uh, no. pro football or or baseball even it'll never get there because it's just i mean that's my opinion but anyway yeah messy coming over is probably gonna be the closest thing it, yeah well yeah that's probably true yeah it's when david beckham came to la mm-hmm. if you remember david beckham yeah. Uh, he was the man then, and he came over and played for the LA Galaxy, I think it was, and they paid him a ridiculous amount of money, but it propped up the sport of soccer. But when was the last time the men's soccer won a World Cup? Yeah. I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah. They, uh... And and so I think until they get there, until, until you know, winning breeds notoriety. Yeah, 100%. You win – you win, you know, you're an athlete, yeah. you win, you're going to be noticed yeah. and you're going to get, it's going to become popular and it's just not, not there yet. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and then wrapping up, I'm going to make sure I link your book in the bio. Um, and then, oh, thank and, you. I appreciate of that. course, um, anything else you want me to link in the bio, just let me know and I'll go ahead yeah. and promote that. Cause I appreciate you for taking the time. Uh, coming on here. And yeah, I mean, you know, if you ever if you ever need a, another person to talk your ear off, or you want to talk about a specific injury that happens, you know, it's like I remember getting a call one day from a podcast that uh, was talking about Tiger Woods's injury, and and you remember what happened to him and his ankle injury that he had, and the fractured talus, which is a bone that doesn't have a really good blood supply, and I don't know whether that bone lived or not in there, and and it's going to affect him the rest of his life and he may never play golf again but if anybody could play golf again i promise you it would be tiger woods because the first time you tell him he can't do something he's gonna do it he's gonna do it bo jackson had a total hip nobody's ever played football with a total hip bo jackson did Mm -hmm. i mean you just 
that's unheard of. And you'll never see it happen again. Yeah. So if you ever have any specific need on that, um, I'd be glad to educate your, your listeners and in, in, in injuries and anything I can help with. But, uh, uh, Cameron, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk with you. And, and, um, you know, anybody out there listening, uh, wants to learn a little bit more about some of the specific stories that I couldn't tell you, go get my book and read it. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones. For sure. A lot of good ones. For sure. And I hope all my listeners will tap in and, you know, go ahead and order that to support you. Um, with, you. with that being said, um, that is, that's all from me. And to all my top of the morning listeners. Top of the morning, 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 top of the morning. Oh.